Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And we have been in a study on dealing with temptation, but today we're going to consider what to do when we don't deal with temptation the right way. In other words, we're, what happens when we give in to temptation and sin? Chris, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well, Lynn. Thank you for um, your work as host here. And uh, so when we created these uh, this unit of study, um, I was ex- pleased to be a part of cr- of creating uh, some of the outlines for uh, the temptation study. Um, but Lynn, you actually suggested that we take this look at what happens when someone falls, when someone gives in to temptation and sins. I thought it was a great idea. So I have, I have a question for you. I need some help. I understand why this was assigned to me. I understand that temptation is a strength of mine. It's something that I know and I've endured, but why is Gina talking of all people? I mean, (laughs) she never, she never does anything wrong. She is just right up there close to perfect. So I I can't figure out why she's the one doing this podcast with us. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen, there is the introduction to our guest for this session. Gina Rogers, everybody's favorite editor. Gina, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. And Chris, I wondered the same thing. Well, now what we have on this podcast, we have a host, and I've got a good example with me, and I have a bad example. So this should be a very rich discussion. Uh, Gina Rogers serves as uh, currently as our young adult editor, content editor for the Bible Studies for Life. Uh, she is soon moving into uh, serving as the editor for the Daily Discipleship Guide, and you'll be hearing more about her work on that in the months to come. But uh, for right now, she is serving with the Young Adult Resource and does an excellent, excellent job with that. So, Gina, uh, thank you for being a part of this. Thank you. So we have been in this study on dealing with temptation. And what we're going to do today is is set in the introduction, what happens when we don't do like we should and we fall into temptation? Well, thankfully, in the grace of God, he does not leave us in that state of fallen, of that fallen state. He reaches down and we can return to him for forgiveness and we can return to him for some restoration. So for our study today, we're going to be in Psalm 32. Chris, let me let me ask you to do this for us. Before we get into Psalm 32, would you give us the context for what's happening? What um, what, what happened prior to this Psalm 32? Yes, I will do that, Lynn. Um, the Bible is unique from a, a religious book in that it al- allows for some of the primary uh, characters, some of the lead roles uh, in the story to talk about their struggles and their failures. And we tend to want to put people up on pedestals, think they can do anything or kind of like Gina is. But, um, the, you know, in the New Testament, we have the number one spokesperson for Jesus is Peter. And we see his struggles. We, we see struggles in the life of Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. We see Moses had struggles. And David is the gr- great king of israel this is the golden era of israel this is the man 
uh, who has who has a heart like God's. He he's a man after God's own heart. And we're told of a story in his life where he fell. He he yielded to temptation. So uh, most of the time, when we think of David's story and his sin, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband murdered when he couldn't get him to come home and sleep with his wife because she's pregnant with David's child. Um, Uriah's murdered and David covers all of this up and he thinks he's made it. He's got by. It's everything's going to be okay. He, he, he marries Bathsheba after a time of mourning. And um, then a prophet shows up and uh, tells David a story about a, uh, a rich man who had thousands of flocks of sheep. And um, uh, there's a poor guy that's got a little lamb that his kids have as a pet. And the rich man's Kevin company. And instead of killing one of his own sheep to provide a meal, he takes the, the, the poor man's sheep and slaughters it and offers it for a, for a meal. And David is shocked. He's angered. He screams that man should be killed. He, he, and Nathan looks at him and says, you're the guy that you did this. And he talks about God's judgment on David, the guy, the man who's known as this, this person who has this tender heart for God, who's always worshiping God, a man after God's own heart has sinned and fallen. And in most of the time, we think of Psalm 51 as David's prayer and response of repentance after his sin. But Psalm 32 is uh, looking at the same event out of David's life where he, he talks and prays about what happened to him because of God's grace and forgiveness for this event. And that's what we're looking at in Psalm 32. Yeah, it is a rich passage about forgiveness. And it does make it rich for me, Chris, knowing that background, knowing that in that moment, David pretty well broke half the Ten Commandments, and yet the grace that just pours out of this psalm. So let me let, let's let's look at Psalm thirty-two. I just want to start with a couple of verses here, verses one and two. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered? How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, and in whose spirit is no deceit? So David starts with talking about the joy and the blessedness of of uh, being forgiven. But it's interesting to me that he uses multiple words, layers of words uh, to describe his sin and failure. It is a transgression. It's a sin. It's an iniquity. Um, and all each of those words has a, a unique twist or explanation about what it is that breaks the heart of God when we when we fall. And I want us to talk a little bit about those three words. And Chris, you're right. He uses three very specific words. Yet in our culture, we try to find all sorts of ways to couch what we've done in less harsh terms. 
You know, it's it's not a sin. It was a mistake. But you're right. There's this transgression, this idea. It is an act of rebellion against God. And I mean, the fact that you, we, you look at the story, just there's a sin against Bathsheba. There's a sin against Uriah. There's some deceitfulness and all. But, but, but underneath all that, it's a rebellion against God himself. Yeah, sin is, is uh, it, well, missing the mark. Uh, even the Greek captures that as well as the Hebrew, that there is, and, and of course, we know what that mark is. It's God's perfect standard. And we never hit that mark. And that is sin. And of course, in iniquity, it's uh, it's tied to the idea of crookedness, a wrong act, a conscious twisting of God's will. Now, any one of those words by themselves are rough. Yeah, the iniquity. I was interested to read that it was uh, it it is intentional. It's it's premeditated. It's we know what we're we know that we're going to sin, and we choose to do it anyway. So all of those things are at play. In David's life, he confesses and realizes that, you know, any way you cut this, <laughs> I, I have missed it, man. I've rebelled. I premeditated, planned, did these things that were all awful. Um, I've sinned and God has forgiven. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. And in this, uh, you know, we, we're cutting no slack. Sin is sin is what's here. But what's the good news that we see in this verse? And that, in fact, that's a discussion question that I think is valuable to talk about in our groups. What is the good news you see in this verse? Well, I would say, I'd circle back around just a little bit to what Chris started with earlier uh, regarding joy and blessing. And I really like the way the, the writer handled that in this section when he says specifically, the joy and blessing of forgiveness far outweigh any guilt or shame we may have of our sin. The joy and blessing of forgiveness eclipse any reputation or power we think we will retain if we cover up our sin instead. The joy and blessing of forgiveness far surpass any temporary pleasure sin provides. That to me is good news. I think, and that is something we need to dwell on too, because one of Satan's ploys is to get us to think, well, God won't forgive me, or I've committed this sin too much. He's not going to forgive me this time. And I think, Chris, uh, Gina, what we need to keep circling back to is what you just said, the the joy and the blessedness that God does forgive. He does cover my sins. He does not charge me with iniquity. So I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know what it is, but sometime in my life, I just became overwhelmed with God's goodness and his grace when he forgives me. Uh, when I when I think back in my life about the times when I was tempted and gave into that temptation, that it's, I don't know that I would have ever used blessing or joy, but I'm just overwhelmed with how good God is that he would forgive me for those things. Um, it, 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 it's, it's just an amazing thing. I, I think there's probably other ways we can talk about it. So uh, it's, it's one of those benefits. What is the good news about uh, God's grace is a great question uh, to, to hopefully cause our groups uh, as we gathered to think about and to talk about th the, 
the relief. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. He's going to describe in the coming verses some some feelings that he had while he was in that stage of covering up his sin uh, that are really graphic. Do you want to go to that next, Lynn? Sure. Let's just go to verse three, um, where David wrote these words. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So, I mean, those are some really graphic descriptions of what he was feeling. Your hands heavy on me. My bones became brittle from my groaning. That's some serious groaning right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I was drained like you feel when you, you're out in the summer heat. Those are powerful images. But what we need to see here is there is no forgiveness without confession. What David died here, yeah, he was, he, 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 it was painful what he felt. But then he said, then I acknowledged my sin. We have to confess those sins and come before him. So, and you get the idea of that weight being lifted. Again, images come to mind of 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 someone carrying a heavy load and and having that taken off of them. And I think for me, it's just the reminder that that weight is not just it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. it's um, it's really powerful. It affects every aspect of our lives. When that sin goes unconfessed, we hold on to those things. I'm concerned for people that that deal with it, like as he did did here, where he feels that burden of it, and they've finally come to a point. Instead of coming to confession, they find ways to rationalize. Well, guilt is just something the culture puts on me, and so. Th- they try to talk themselves away from feeling that way by finding ways to dismiss their sin, rationalize their behavior. Yet the key in all this is humility. Come to God, acknowledge our sin, and we will feel freedom. And I liked another thing that the author pointed out in this passage is uh, our sin doesn't destroy our relationship to God, our father, but it does harm our fellowship with him. And so I think that's a part of it is you feel that, that distance, that distance is, is uncomfortable. Very much so. I think too, Gina, where I've struggled and where I've talking with others, where part of the struggle for us is forgiving ourselves. Uh, We hate what we've done. We, we hate what we've done to God and we, we keep beating ourselves up over what we've done. And I think if we could just embrace what he did, what, what David did here, confess my sin and acknowledge, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's gone. So why is confession such an important step uh, in a person's journey back to God? That's one of the questions that we ask. Um, and and my hope is uh, I'm going to leave that open-ended and, and hope that uh, as we think through this, that we will uh, find some ways to invite people to talk about uh, the significance and the importance of confession. We're not good at confession. You know, I don't like those verses that says confess your sins to one another 
I, you know, I, I, I am not signing up for that one. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that first. Um, it's, we're not good at it. And we, most people have this tendency to cover, cover it up, hide it. Don't let anybody know. Don't want. And, um, it's really clear, uh, from David's experience. And a, a part of the benefit of him sharing this is, um, uh, this thing that I tried to hide that, now everybody knows about them and that's really an important lesson too is to realize you, you don't think for a minute that you can get away uh with sin that you can hide it that no one will ever know i mean those are the kind those people who think like that and who have those kind of feelings you just know that that's going to blow up and god's going to expose that to the whole world uh, don't don't think you can get away with this, and uh, it's a good reminder for us as well. I know I work in a recovery ministry at my church, and we talk a lot about the fact that once we share things, those things that we don't really want to talk about, once you get them out into the light, they no longer have power. Wow, that's strong. And so, yeah, I think that that's a really powerful image for me. And I sin definitely. That's that's the same way. You get it out there into the light and it doesn't have any more power. So when we confess our sins then to God, we learn to live in a restored relationship with him. And that's going to help us to stay out of temptation again. So we fall into temptation. We fall, we sin, we confess it, we get cleansed. And now we move back into that restored relationship and it should help us avoid sin, future sin and temptation. We see this in verse, let's go to verse six of Psalm 32. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Here is David who had sinned. He dealt with the guilt of that. He confessed it. And now he's saying, you have surrounded me with joyful shouts of deliverance. And there's a, a sense in that of, God, I don't want to go down that road again. I do not want to go. You you are my hiding place. And apply to that, he wants to stay right there under God's shelter and his protection. Here's what you do when you sin. You confess your sin. You pray immediately. <laughs> you look to God to be that secure place, that hiding place, that uh, place that where he will protect you from trouble. So the, the, very, th the very one we need... The, the very grace that we need to experience is the thing that we run from and we try to avoid. And David's example is, oh, no, 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 no. Pray immediately. Confess your sin. Let God be that hiding place, that that secure rock. Uh, let him be your deliverance. Uh, powerful. It's powerful. So earlier we talked about those words, transgression. Uh, sin uh, to miss the mark and um, iniquity. Um, it, we didn't talk as much about how God, God's response uh, to provide that forgiveness and to cover this, this Psalm 32 uh, very uh, clearly uh, communicates to us uh, what happens when we sin and how God forgives when we confess our sins to him. So he, 
the writer makes multiple references to the fact that this is a financial term. He uh, he writes off our debt. Um, uh, the, ba- the the ledger is is balanced. Uh, he takes away our sin. He covers it. Uh, he removes the sin from us. Uh, I don't think we talk enough about uh, God's forgiveness and all of the words that are used to help us understand uh, how seriously he takes sins, but the great links he goes to, to take those sins, to remove those, to, to cover them for God to cover them, not for us to cover them, but in his forgiveness, he covers it. He conceals it. He cleanses us. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, God's love and grace for us and the forgiveness that comes to us when we confess our sins. And when we look at this from a New Testament perspective, too, we understand that the forgiveness comes through the cross of Christ, uh, through his, his shed blood, that he who was innocent, who had no sin of his own, he took our sin upon himself and was crucified and took our punishment. Uh, we see from this from this side of the cross, that's what earns, uh, gains us that forgiveness. And it's all by God's grace. So one of the questions that's um, uh, in in my resource anyway is what um, what have you learned about God's forgiveness that opens you up to confess to Him? Uh, and I, you know, for me, it's just that that reality that He welcomes us. He's waiting for us with open arms to embrace us to uh, to to wipe those sins out, to forgive the sins and to restore us, um, to be that hiding place for us. So, uh, my hope is that as we have these conversations in our groups and we talk about this Psalm, we talk about God's forgiveness and we talk about our sin, uh, we will, we will see all these benefits and uh, be able to have a conversation about these things. As you come to the end of your Bible study, be sure and allow some time to for application to kind of talk this through. And I think this one is, is very, very much leans toward application. But there's one statement in the live it out that's in the back of the, this session that I think is really strong for so many of us. Of course, one is to confess if you've got if you're still groaning under the weight of sin, confess it. Make Psalm 32 verse five your prayer. But there's also this one. I thought it was a great idea. Write a note or prayer. Write it out rejoicing in God's forgiveness. Consider God's goodness and mercy and express to him your thankfulness. I think for those those of us who often struggle with forgiving ourselves, the act of writing out a note of thankfulness to God, thankfulness for his forgiveness, can really help solidify I really am forgiven by God, so there's no reason for me to be holding on to this guilt. So some great ideas there for you to put into practice. Yeah, so Lynn, I just noticed that um, the last thing on that list is, you know, if you're struggling with uh, with guilt from something from your past, or um, if you if you feel weighed down and can't get any relief, if, if it's impacting you uh, spiritually, emotionally, it may be that you need to talk to someone. So let me encourage you to talk to your pastor or talk to a counselor or some a trusted mature believer um, about what you're struggling with so that you get someone to walk alongside you to help you, to point you to uh, God's grace and his forgiveness and all that that means for you. So let me encourage you to do that um, if, if you're struggling with something. Gina, always great to have you in our uh, on our podcast, 
Thank you. It's always great to be here. Yes, you are a welcome addition to this. In light of Chris and I doing this, you are a welcome addition. Thank you. <laughs> and all of you who participate in a Bible Studies for Life class, thank you for letting us be a part of your study. And we hope you have a great study. We look forward to being with you next week.